Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ryan Nile Show. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Kenny Marmarella de Cruz, aka the Man Whisperer. Kenny is a coach, consultant, and guru of all things men. He has facilitated and inspired men speak men's groups all over the world. Kenny has come from dramatic beginnings in Uganda. Death threats, refugee camps, paternal abandonment, maternal enmeshment, childhood mental health issues and racism. He moved to London and became a high-flying adrenaline junkie. Tight deadlines, extreme sports, anything that would distract him from the pain and emptiness he held deep within. He realised that in order to free himself, he had to own his shadows and release the depressed pause button from the past that kept him stuck in the same old story. The tools and realisations have helped men and women all over the world. Previously, Kenny's worked in Fiji. He co-ran a natural health centre in Sydney and worked with Mother Teresa in Calcutta whilst adventuring the world. We had a lot to discuss, including vulnerable moments of our own. I absolutely loved this conversation and we were both buzzing afterwards. Listen to this and remember, play bigger than the rules. Remember to rate this podcast and you can do that now with this really easy link. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash Ryan Nile Show. I'd appreciate five stars on whatever app you listen to. It really helps people find the show. We're actively trying to grow this community. We're growing every week, which is amazing. Remember, you can watch the full show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ryan Nile. Drop a comment on there. Follow me on Instagram at ryan.nile.show. Connect with Kenny on at the Man Whisperer. And at KennyDCruz.com, that's K-E-N-N-Y-D-C-R-U-Z.com. Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Ryan Nile Show. Thanks for being with us. Today I'm joined by the incredible Kenny... I'm love Marmarella Marmarella de Cruz. It's a lot of syllables. (laughs) (laughs) Who is uh, a coach for... Is it a coach? Yeah, I guess, kind of. But I tend not to keep my clients. Right. So it's because we do intense work Mm. and we turn it around and I don't like people giving me their power. They need to turn it around, take their power and move. Mm. Because otherwise, I guess I I, I was paranoid that I'd be stealing people's power. Mm. And also, if I'm around for too long, then surely I become part of the problem. Very good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, very good point. So, So, just for the the listeners, so you run. uh, I've been running men's groups for Mm -hmm. twenty years. I train people to run men's groups so people can take it into their own communities, Mm -hmm. and I work with private clients, and we do intense work that they record on their phones, and they go away, and they practice new ways of living, and everyone lives happily ever (laughs) now. (laughs) Love that. Yeah. Yeah, happy well, who needs now. after? Who needs future? Like, bring it on. And that's the thing that troubles so many. The being here and now, you know, that, that isn't good enough. One of my biggest addictions in my life was my second guessing. Mm. And what will people think? And my paranoia. And if they think, and this is the way I was brought up, you know, a nice Catholic family, mm. putting on, put on a good show, wear the right clothes at church, go to confession, but, you know, I haven't done any sins, so I should make something up so the priest isn't disappointed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was all about second guessing. And then I realized that with all this fantasy, there's no space for intimacy because I was reacting to what I think people think. And it was all about mm. fear of the future or I hadn't got over the past and I kind of recreate the past and base my future on no space in the present. Mm. So I needed to learn how to get present 
and connected and learn to respond to life and attract a good life rather than learn to react to life and keep recreating the same old story that I was addicted to surviving. Mm. And my addiction to survival, I guess it kind of kept me safe and I pretended to be in control. Yeah. No space for a life. Mm. So, yeah. Very interesting. So I want to unpack that a bit. <laughs> Go on then. So let's just start like when you when you were small, because a yeah. lot of um, specifically you know uh, male or just just trauma in in general obviously starts when you're a child. So yeah, you're you're from Uganda, right? Yeah, I was born in Uganda. Mm. Uh, my family are from Goa, but my parents were born in Uganda as and well. My father's from Kenya. My mother from Uganda. And we had a blissful life. It was mm. absolutely wonderful. Uh, and then funny stuff, Idi Amin and all of that. Yeah. And it was a little bit bonkers. Mm. But How old were you? I was seven. When so it was blissful off. up until the age of seven. Yeah, yeah. And I was quite an aware child. Mm. I knew what was going on. Um, I was one of those little boys who wasn't much of a little boy because I was too busy. I was quite aware about things yeah. and stuff, you know. And I guess, to be honest, I wonder whether things changed. I traced it. You know, it's so easy to listen to the glamorous stories and think, mm. oh, this happened because of that story and that story and that story. And when I needed to pull my life together, yeah, I found out the stories and I put the pieces together, but there was something missing. And I realized that the story that I was looking for and the only story that would put things right was actually my emotional story. It was nothing logical. It wasn't even necessarily about the true facts. It's about what I felt and what I believed about myself. And I kind of followed my feelings back. And I realized that my first tragedy was when my cousins were sent to boarding school. Because until then, it's like, Life was bliss. Right. And then suddenly... The older cousins? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So the girls went to convent. And then a few years later, my male cousin, who's like five years older than me, was sent to boarding school. But it was like, my world fell apart. Mm. It didn't make sense. Mm. Why have these people that I love just suddenly disappeared? Disappeared, yeah. It didn't make sense. And maybe, and you know, working with people, I kind of figure out when did their protector show up in their life, the part of them that protects them. Mm. The part of them that will meet life so their spirit or their essence or whatever it is is safe and it is not up for any um, damage, I guess. So it feels like that's when I started getting aware maybe. Until then, life was bliss. But then right. it's like, hmm, something's changed. Yeah. Exactly. So I was, I guess, a bit of an old kid in a strange mm. way. And also I was a mummy's boy. So... My, I was the eldest boy, my grandmother's favourite, my grandparents lived with us, um, my godmother and I were in love with each other, so it was with all of that going on, and in a way it's seen as a privilege, mm -hmm. and I guess in a way it is a privilege, and maybe I got programmed from that, that women love me and it's fine. I just needed to make sure that I turn into a man that women love, rather than just turn into a, a little boy. Mm -hmm. But it cost me in mm -hmm. that I was responsible for their emotions. Mm -hmm. I got very sensitive to what might upset them or what their needs are. And I was just adoring of them. 
I loved them being happy. I couldn't bear them being sad. And the other two big things that it cost me is, in a way, I couldn't be one of the kids anymore. Mm. I couldn't be playing with the kids in Carefree because I was kind of property of the women. Right. And what am I, a double-crosser or something, not right. to be trusted. Yeah. And then very often with mummy's boys um, or with the sensitive kid or whatever, it's you're not going to turn out like those men, are you? So <laughs> what type of a man am I supposed to turn out like? Plus, to be frank, as a child, I remember being really, really young and r- noticing at some stage that actually the people that I respect and like and feel are, um, I don't know, the best, the most loving, the most head on their shoulders, whatever, mm. they happen to be women. And the mm. ones that are a bit unruly or whatever, they happen to be men. Right. But wait a minute, where does that leave me? Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> 100%. Where do you think this, uh, you know, the mummy's boy, the good boy, you know, the good Catholic boy or the good whatever, where does that come from? Just generally, because obviously it's a pattern that happens to, to so many. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I guess, I wonder if most things come from either love mm. or fear. Mm. And yeah. I would imagine it's got to be a mixture of the both. And the thing is, I was, and I guess I am, uh, a man who likes to love and to be in love. I don't like tricksters. I don't like manipulation. Um I am used to, and I come alive in vulnerability. Yeah. Um, And that's love. That's not fear. Mm. When I was much younger and more fearful, then especially, so after, just to quickly jump forward, you know, there was death threats. We went into hiding, refugee camps, all that kind of stuff. And because of all of these things, I had post-traumatic stress disorder. Of course. And with that, I had obsessive-compulsive disorder. I had Tourette's trichlomania, body dysmorphia, I'd twitch and grunt and pick at myself and I was a proper basket case. So with all of those things, plus trying to survive and having no money, no community, just pleased to be alive, no father for nine months because he was supposed to be killed and he was smuggled out to Italy while we were in refugee camp over here. Oh, over here or in in the UK? He's a refugee camp in the UK? Yeah, we came to a refugee camp in Ecclesall in Staffordshire. Wow. And we were, again, we were oddities because mm. we didn't really... Most people there were like proper Indians with the language and the cultures. And, yeah. you know, where meanwhile, we were Western. We didn't really speak any of the Indian languages. Mm. And we kind of like... My mother speaks Portuguese, and which was our... So go into Portuguese and Catholic, so it's very... Yeah kind of western yeah so again we're on our own yeah and also catholics it's like well come on this must be our, our fault so let's be guilty and you t- take it all out <laughs> of us so with all of that and wow. with the mental health issues mm. i guess in a way i must have somehow become a manipulator mm. and it was the normal way i guess in a lot of families including mine that there would be secrets and lies and there would be manipulation and it would be different lies for different people to be to be responsible or over-responsible for people's feelings and it just did my head in. So do you think that is a combination of you being the... the you was the oldest, right? Yeah. You, you are the oldest. Um, your dad not being there. You being in a new... Well, you're in a refugee camp, but you're also being othered by the 
refugees yeah, yeah. <laughs> that were there. Yeah. So we, the we compartmentalization very... in that situation would yeah. create. I that, mean, I that would say state. my manipulation probably came a bit later mm. when we moved into our council house in Wales. And I, it was almost like I can give everything I can give, mm. and there are certain things that I can't do. Mm. So issues around contamination or causing harm or things like that. Mm. And, you know, and I was, I was kind of like, I remember as a very young child thinking, if I'm dead, then they might have a better chance of survival because there'll be one less mouth to feed. So my head was really going into how do I, how do we survive this? What's so you're just in pure for? survival mode? Totally. In the middle of the night, I would sneak into my parents' bedroom and I'd put my finger under their noses to see if they're alive. Whoa. There was like I was very on the edge in a lot of times. It was like heavy. Um, and sometimes how, how old were you then? Seven, eight. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. And I remember so when you say your life was blissful up until seven, it really what it just really turned. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? It's not bad. It's mm. really not bad because. I know in my life, it's, shall, I, shall I tell you my, my concept of how <laughs> life works and how I put it together? Love to hear it. It's like, I believe that before coming into this life, I kind of, and this is just my fantasy, I kind of agreed with myself or I yeah. committed yeah. Yeah. that I would contribute certain things, I would learn certain things, I would experience certain things, I'd unlearn certain things, and I'd have some maybe troublesome, painful kind of relationships where maybe we've got something karmic to work out or whatever it is. So if if that's my intention mm. for this time, for this life, then, and I know that when I come down this life, or up or sideways or whatever, then I won't be able to to bring all my awareness with me because then my awareness would cancel out my experience and I wouldn't be able to experience, you know, it, 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 it wouldn't work. So then my fantasy is if I know that I won't be able to avoid the things that cause me pain, they're like markers. Mm. And if I have to unlearn or set myself free from or feel through these these things, these painful fuck-ups or whatever it is, then maybe I agreed for certain things to happen. So I can't miss them. And when I unlearn them, I'll pick up my tools and I'll be able to, to do what I said I'd do, experience my experiences and, you know. So that's how I put it together. It's a beautiful way of looking at it. So I'm not sure, and maybe this is just me blagging and making things okay and pretending to sure. be in control. Yeah. But now that I'm out the other end with so many things, I kind of think, thank God I mm. went through that. And thank God, you know, so we were a poor family. We lost everything. And I had to unlearn yeah. everything to make myself healthy again. I didn't know what therapy was. I didn't know how things worked. I just had to figure things out. Mm. And as I did, then I realized that actually I've got some tools that I can pass on to people. And the number of times I've given talks and at the end people have come up and said, you know, I came to see whether you'd twitch or you'd wink, or you'd blink, or you'd pick yourself, and you didn't do it once. And if you can do it, then I know I can do it. And I've got friends, and you know we've got the same issue. So it's possible. That's beautiful. So things like that, people will see that I, if I can undo it, mm. yeah, everyone can undo it. And if people need a hand, it's like I'll show you how I did it. 
So that's how I kind of un I unfucked myself up mm. to pick up my tools to pass on. And that was through that imagining it as if it were a, a pre-agreement and that, you know, you get present. It's like, okay, well, maybe there's something to learn from here. Maybe this is a tool I can, that exactly. I can gain for exactly. myself, but also for others. Yeah, if it works for me. And it's the same at the second guessing. The second guessing was, mm. how do I stay out of trouble? And you could say one of the mummy's boy's greatest fears is to be told of. Yes. <laughs> I have to be perfect and impeccable and an angel and it's like it's not an option where does that start though mm. it's, it, it, obviously it starts with a trauma so you must have been told off as like, on I, one hand on the other yeah. hand maybe you could say it starts as a baby or something because mm. I believe that the greatest fear of most men is either to be humiliated or mm. to be abandoned mm. and irrespective of how big and strong the man is when the woman takes a step back, even energetically or emotionally, reduced to a blubbering, at least inside, it's like, mm. can't, can't cope with it. It's, and that's abandonment, that's emotional. And some people might call that toxic femininity mm. if it's used as a form of manipulation sure, that I sure. will withdraw. Some people might call it very efficient parenting. Mm. So the man shouts, the woman humiliates. Mm. The woman threatens... Disappointed. Oh my god, that hurts! <laughs> <laughs> and for I'm not me, angry, I'm just like, disappointed. Oh, that's uh, yeah. be angry. Yeah, yeah, Pick exactly. Me, yeah, get it out the way. <laughs> just anything but humiliation. Exactly, exactly. And for me, I had to work it out. Like I tried logically, but I needed to feel my way through because mm. that's the. I had all the stories, and some of them were kind of like rose tinted or different people's perspectives and stuff. But it didn't help me out until I could feel through my own story, mm. and then I, I learned a new trick. And that new trick was whatever's going on now, if I'm angry or upset or whatever it is or in an argument, it's like I don't believe that I'm angry or upset about what's going on now. It's triggered by something. Right. So if that's the case, then surely I can take a deep breath so I can feel it and in a split second follow the feeling and I'm straight back at the scene of the crime. And then I know what needs to be dealt with. Mm. Otherwise, life is keep is going to keep going on here it is here's this thing that that stuffs you up here's this thing that triggers you when are you going to accept it when are you going to let it go rather than no no no, no i can't have this thing it should never be here i should suppress it now it's the doorway it's like here's an opportunity to turn the dark shadow into the gold shadow and walk a truer path mm. I, I make a lot of things up. I hope it makes sense. It does. It really does. It's really visual. <laughs> and I hope it makes sense for, for people that are listening because there are a lot of people, especially now, that are in just a, a, a dark, not even a dark, but just a cloudy yeah. place that can't really see through it. See through it, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you do you do need those those visualizations to help understand. Um, obviously, it's easier said than done. Um, I just wanted to, to go back to uh, the the being surrounded by females and being related. Um, mm. I learned the word enmeshment uh, mm. some uh, recently, like within the last couple of years. And I really had to <clears throat> look into the definition of it because I started to see it yeah. in a lot of places um, in my own life and um, in others. Can you just speak on what enmeshment is? Because I think it's such a core um, 
feature of so many people's lives and I'm sure yeah. it's going to come up in this conversation. Yeah. The enmeshment that most people know and can relate to is generally, for example, the Oedipal complex. So it would be me and my mother, mm. where we're enmeshed in that we have the same beliefs and needs and it's almost as if I don't know what's hers and she doesn't know what's mine because we're so together. Mm. It can happen through fear. It can happen through abandonment issues. It can happen for surviving. It can happen through deep caring and love. It can happen because trauma has made us enmeshed and there's something there. But I wouldn't say it's a healthy thing because I need to be whole to be with someone else who's whole. So there are two separate people and we can love each other. Yeah. Where when we're enmeshed, we don't know which one's which and who's who. And there is too much of a we rather than an I. Right. And with this enmeshment, generally, it can bring on, um, how can you put it? It's fear-based rather mm. than love-based. It can be part of a victim club. And very often, if you're part, like, if you're part, and I was very much in the victim club, mm. victim to men, victim to society, victim to whatever it was. And again, that's the addiction to being in survival mode and surviving life rather than living life. So if we're victims, then we're enmeshed. Very often what happens is in modern day society, let's say if you and I want to pretend to be closer friends than we are, mm. and we're like relatively unaware about life, then we can demonize someone else. But it's in the demonizing of that person that we become close. Right. And that's like the false thing. So enmeshment can generally be toxic mm. in that it's almost like a pact but there's no space for progress or exploration or growth, where if it's two separate people, then we've got a lot we can share. We've got a lot more we can explore. It's not about us surviving and it's us against the world. Mm. It's us living in the world, sharing and growing together. The enmeshment that people don't talk about and a lot of people don't get, which I think is fundamentally important, is one of the things that I do is a kind of, I guess, my version of voice dialogue where I will sit opposite a client and we'll talk about whatever it is that he wants to get out of the session and where he's stuck in relationships or whatever part of life. And then I will ask him to move wherever he wants to move to in, into a different chair. Mm. And when he moves into, the, let's say his name's Robert, when he moves into a different chair, then I'll ask to speak to, say, his protector the part of him that's been protecting him right. in his life. So for me, uh, and I, I might find out when that protector first showed up in his life, and for me it might be when my cousins were sent to boarding school because uh, that was my first heartbreak. Right. That's the first time that actually maybe the world isn't all safe and love mm. and the protector will be there so I can protect my heart or that spark, or that spirit, the yeah. part that's not to be touched or broken. So the protector will meet the world, and who I really am will go into hiding. And what very often happens is the protector's job is to protect this person. Not for this person to thrive or take any risks or grow or anything like that. Mm. It's survival. So the first enmeshment that I deal with is that the protector 
and Robert. So I would speak to the protector about Robert. When did you show up in his life? What's your job? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And I'd really get to know the real story that Robert wouldn't be able to tell me, mm. but the protector will be able to like knock it off like that. It's wow. so, so, so efficient. And that makes them, what makes the, your, your client aware. kind of talk. Yeah. It makes them aware of that. And totally. Like, wow. Totally. And then once I know the protector, and the protector realizes that actually they're separate. Mm. And it's not an enmeshed relationship where this protector owns the heart, soul, and balls of this one. It's like, okay, now let's see what needs to go on. Meanwhile, I know that if anything's up, the protector's going to jump in and, and take care and, and stop everything, save this. Got it. And then I'll go back, and then I might move into, especially working with men, they might not, they might know who they think they should be <laughs> to be one of the boys yeah. or to have the biggest car or the biggest wallet or the biggest muscles or whatever it is in order to be good enough to connect and be loved rather than cut out the middleman, just show up and connect and love. Yeah. But then they get to know the real man in them, not the one they should be or thought they should be or failed to be or their father wants them to be or whatever it is. They get to know the authentic man possibly gets very very little space in their life and once they get to meet that part what's really weird is they sit differently they move differently their voice changes they talk differently so they get to know and then it could be you know we could go we don't need to go in through all of them that's ridiculous sure but just enough so they know what's going on and they've got the tools to be able to navigate life mm -hmm. and we were talking earlier on about women yeah Without knowing that man, if the protector shows up to life being a harmless little mummy's boy, then it's like, ah, oh, here's a woman that I want to fall in love with. And as soon as faced with the woman, if that person turns into a little boy, then it's not sexy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Right. So they get to know, for example, when I'm on the football pitch, I'm going to delegate to the part of me that's not going to be thinking too much and feeling too much. It's like, get that ball in the net mm. or be a team player, know when to step up, when to pass the ball and whatever. And then it's back. When, in, when at work, maybe how to be professional. When in the nightclub, maybe how to be a schmoozer and use the cheap pickup lines for a laugh. Yeah. When it's time to like settle down and be a good man, how to be an authentic man, true to values and true to the path. And they then get to be able to like navigate to the right part for the right time mm. rather than the manipulating surviving little boy <laughs> yeah that's picked up all these different masks do you know what i mean mm -hmm. does it make sense oh completely so my cheap line is it's turning masculine into masculine <laughs> <laughs> no that makes sense though yeah totally like and that. the thing is like sadly how many people will go out thinking, well, I better settle for whatever I can get that my mates think's good enough and, you know, for my, my brand or whatever. Yes, yes. Meanwhile, it's like if there's someone that's stupid enough to fall for this act, like you want to be with that for the rest of your life, mm. that person will never get met. It's a life of survival. Wow. Where if I can truly t show up with who I am, then I'll get a reflection of that. Mm. If I'm playing my survival games, then I'll probably get someone to express my shadow and play that part of me. Mm. So we're not even like my better half because both halves aren't really much good. <laughs> no, 
No. Do you know what I mean? But surely the only option is like 200% at least. I'll be 100%, you be 100%. And when we're together, it's like, surely that's about 500%. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. This is because it's so visual now. The way I'm imagining what enmeshment is, because the the way I understood it was more in the um, the parent to son relationship, yeah, and how that then um, like emotionally how that then uh, manifests itself in romantic relationships, yeah. Um, it's like projection. Like you said, it's this, yeah, it's different. These different um, parts of ourselves that we create. Yeah. That, uh, okay. Well, that the, show up. It's not even like we create them. Right. That show up. Yeah, They'll show yeah. up. So the They'll show up as the, needs. The, the romance of the manipulator. All yeah. these different. Who do parts I need to pretend us, to be to survive do, this? Exactly. Who do I need to pretend to be in this situation? And because we do it so often, yeah. it just becomes second nature. Everyone and else is doing it. It's what the media it. says we need to do. Exactly. Spend money. Be good enough, and maybe mm. one day you can connect. Cut out the middleman. Right. Show up now. Mm. Be true to yourself and be authentic. And I would tell me if I'm overdoing it with my stories. No, not at all. This is about this is about <laughs> stories, man. This, this show is all about powerful life stories that impact. I would say the most efficient way to know who you know. People go like, "Who am I? How do I find myself? I should go traveling. I should do therapy. I should this, that, and the other. I should go out there mm. to find out who I am in here." In here, yeah. Meanwhile, especially in the men's groups, I say. The thing to do while you're here is, like, there are ground rules, confidentiality, blah, blah, blah. One of the ground rules is play bigger than the rules and experiment with who you are. Right. So I, in this group, am going to see who I no longer need to be mm-hmm. rather than who I'm used to being, putting on the good act. I'll be smart. I'll be sharp. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out how I, what the pecking order is and how to... Sure. Nah, cheap acts. It's like, who do I no longer need to be so I can show up? So how, how would you advise someone through that in that situation? Because what does that actually mean? Like, the, So I'm in this men's group and I'm with people that I don't know. And then these auto responses are coming up. So for me, it might be, all right, I'm going to try and make everyone laugh. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm going to try and, uh, yeah, do some sort of like wise joke and then everyone will like me kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Would you then advise that that's an auto response? Maybe don't do that. It's experiment with it. Mm. So it might be do it and see whether you feel safe, mm. whether you feel true, whether you feel more connected to yourself, right. whether you feel connected to other people, or whether you're just surviving. Because like, and when you say surviving, is that you're just doing it oh, to make yourself... God, I got away with that. Mm. I'm safe. Now people like me. Ah, Meanwhile... Right. Everything that we're talking about, is there space for this man to exist? There's no space. It's all an act Mm. and another act and another act. It's just, it's different masks. How can this man grow in his life, even show up in his life, expect any quality in his life? I believe that if I act like an idiot, then I'm going to attract other idiots to show me the idiot that I am. Mm. If I act like I'm some sort of... uh, I don't know, aggressive or oversensitive, then I'll attract either the same or the opposite right. to show me who I am. It, the more true I am to myself and my values and my beliefs and you know my purpose, if I know what it is, then I will attract either the similar, similar thing or if I'm living 
with vulnerability authentically mm. rather than fearfully and going around Groundhog Day surviving the same old, then I will attract signs and temptations and opportunities to move me forward into that life. So it's up to me. If I'm going to be a product of my environment, then it's up to me to be responsible for my inner and outer environments. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It's just making me think... When someone is so used to having those masks on, yeah, and that's become their second nature, well, this become nature for them, and they've realised it's a problem. How do they unpack those? Is it just like visiting men's groups or uh, having those in-depth conversations, practicing essentially? Do you know? Um, this is such an individual path. Right, because there are so many people who glorify you go to a group or a mm. workshop, and if you cry and sob, then you're going to be popular. If you put on a good show that I'm an, I'm doing authentic, and I'm in <laughs> real yeah. pain, yeah. and I'm really pa- it's like it's another act. Must it be so loud? <laughs> yeah. Must it be so dramatic? Mm. I can feel, and I'm sure it's the same with you, when someone's real, and, you know, who can't spot a fraud? A lot of frauds are seductive mm. or fun or the best that you know you're going to get out of this, bit, this person. But I can feel when I'm being a fraud. I can feel when someone else is being a fraud. Yeah. And I need to trust and follow my feelings. Mm. I can feel when I am draining myself by putting on a good show. And I can feel when I'm feeding myself by just being quiet and listening and feeling what's going on. Mm. So it's up to me to be true to myself. And sometimes it's fine to be a clown. And sometimes it's totally appropriate to be toxic if it's a situation of danger or to be, you know, vulnerable or not vulnerable or whatever the truth is. And this is where, for me, the man, the central processing unit, the aware ego, can be present and connected and respond rather than react to what's what's life is bringing, mm-hmm. and in a split split second delegate back, it's like danger. I know what part. It's not the part that's going to be sitting and meditating and feeling my feelings. It's the part that needs to react like that. Sure, yeah. So it's it's quick. Um, apart from the men's groups, I, I run a day training called Men Aware. Mm-hmm. which is phenomenal because it's like I rudely said to one guy, inside you have so got it sorted out. But right now the way you present yourself is you look like a washed up squid and it's not doing you any favours at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you need to be direct to get it That's rather right. than nicey-nicey, polite, yeah, yeah, come yeah. to the next workshop. and No, get in there now. <laughs> but what we do in Men Aware is same as the men's group, we sit in a circle and the difference is people have each other's um, phones. So we can film the person opposite when it's their turn. Okay. And they can see how they come across. Ah. And I and the other people will give feedback about, we know who you are, we know how you are, but when you go like that or you laugh at the end of what you're saying... I find it difficult to trust you Mm. or to take it seriously. When your eyes do this or your tone does that, I feel like you're on a sales pitch Mm. and I miss the connection where I feel who you are. 
Right. And I don't need a show. I just need to be let in. And this is intimate, but intimacy and sexuality are two very, very, very different things. Intimacy is for me where I can connect with someone at the boundaries. Mm. Uh, before, when I was a, uh, an obsessive second guesser, there were no boundaries. I was here somewhere, they were there somewhere, and the space between was second guessing and some bad acts. Mm. <laughs> Nothing, no connection whatsoever. Where to meet at a boundary is like, we know where we are now, and it's safe, and we've agreed to it, and now we've met, we can let it shift and move depending on what's going on. And that's intimate. Yeah. With everyone. And it could be with family, with friends, with girlfriends, with best friends, on the playing field. You know, you need to trust each other, but you need to know where to meet. You need to know who's who and what's what. And once that meeting is there, there needs to be space for change and for growth and for adjustment, in my world anyway. Mm. Mm, for sure. <laughs> it's powerful man it's Shucks. really powerful um, it took a lot to figure this out yeah my god yeah and because it's, it's like the- watching and watching and learning and feeling and the whole thing was I was scared I don't remember how old I was it must have been maybe 20s 30s and I was still surviving this is what I was going to ask yeah Sorry. I was scared to feel because mm. if I started feeling then I might start going mad again. I might become a basket case again. I might start crying and I might never be able to stop crying. I might start getting so overwhelmed with my thoughts and with images and with things that it might get so busy inside that I'd lose connection with the outside world. And then the picture that I had in my mind was I'd be in a straitjacket in an institution, rocking. Meanwhile, it's all going on in my head. I'd, I've just lost connection. Yeah, disconnection. With... So I was scared. I was really scared to take the lid off. Mm. And I don't blame anyone being scared to take the lid off because, you know, all this stuff that's been survived, it's like to take the lid off that, that's crazy. That's mm. totally out of control and there's no way of knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, because you think it is you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially Basically. if that's all you've, you know, well, it's not all you've experienced, but in, in from for you, from, from seven up until your 20s, yeah. you know, that's pretty much all you've experienced. You know? And it's also, in a way, what I wanted to continue ex- experiencing, even though I might not have wanted it, if that's who I believe I am, right. and I know how to survive it, mm. then I will demand that life proves me right about who I am. So I can justify my fearful, controlling behavior. Self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that does manifest in lots of people's lives. And how powerful is that? How powerful is it to have the power to keep myself in Groundhog Day stuffed up mm. and call myself a victim in life? Yeah. And how powerful is it to know the tools and have the choices to unlearn that and really start to walk a path using the past pain and all the lessons and tools uh, picked up to fuel the way forward. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. And that's empowered. And for me, the difference between a boy and a man Mm. is a man will empower and collaborate with other men, where a boy needs to have power over the boys to show that he's male mm. and to show that he's his place in the pecking order. A man has 
a good relationship with his female side, which means he can listen and respond and share. Yeah. A boy is so busy proving he's not a girl that it's all competition. There's no responding. There's, it's all reacting. And it's like it's overly yang. It's like it's, it's lopsided. Mm. And there's everything right with it until it gets time to grow. And it, when it's time to turn into your own man, then it's like, who am I? And that's where it all shows up. Yeah. Because, and I love that description, because we're taught it's the other way around. We're taught that a man is what we, what you just said a, a boy should be. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's where it comes up. And then that boy now that is a man at work, in a relationship, as a father, yeah. as a friend, as a son, as an uncle, as a brother. Yeah. You know, in all these different situations. And then, you know, as the pressure piles on, and this is what, uh, you know, I'm noticing uh, just through the 20s and uh, particularly 30s, all these pressures pile on and it's the the battle between and I think you said this before about the you're battling with the past, your past perils yeah. versus the fantasy of the future. Yeah. And just in this moment of where am I? This is I didn't sign up for this. You know, yeah. I'm in this life that I didn't ever imagine myself being in. Yeah. In fact I said by thirty I was going to do A, B, and C. And now I'm looking at my life and it's not that whatsoever. And even if you did those things, would it make you more of a man? Or would mm. you just have a better sales pitch for other people to be good enough so they like you or respect you or don't abandon you? Or what whatever? do I look like? Yeah, Exactly. Mm. And meanwhile, I'm not sure it's about a man or anyone doing. This is about the being. Mm. And that's a very different kettle of fish. Mm. And that's not to demonize doing. No, But for me, it's like being first, because when I'm being, I'm in alignment with myself and with my values and with the world that I want to live in. And it's up to me to live that into existence. And living that into existence, is that's my doing. Mm. But if it's doing before being, then there's not a lot of space for being because it's all panic, fix, put on a good show. What do people think? And I don't even exist in my own life. Mm. I think people will struggle with that because they would think, well, you know, let me get there first. Let me do the doing. I did that. That's exactly right. how I let was. Me, let me get the car. Let me get the house. Let me do all of these things that, yeah. I, that I've always said I wanted to do. And then I'll think about that, that being. Yeah. Because I just want to experience that. And I was, there's no nothing wrong with experiencing that. But I, I do believe that being is, you know, that's where you're trying to get to. Yeah. It's not the doing. Yeah. So, okay, you can do all of that stuff. But unfortunately, nine times out of ten, or probably ten times out of ten, you're going to get there. You can be like, well, where, where is that? Where's the fulfillment? That is a very, very large percentage of my clients. Really? It's, I have everything, and I am nothing. Wow. I love that, because the, the way I usually heard that is, I have everything, and I also have nothing. But you said, I have everything, but I am yeah. nothing. So it really, so when they're in that situation, they realize that it's, it's, it's about the being. Like, who am I? Yeah. Okay, I've done all this stuff. The validation doesn't mean anything. Yeah. The way it looks 
people don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who, who am I? Exactly. And that's where it begins. Who am I? Mm. And who, who do I no longer need to be? And I never want the answer of who I am. I want it to be a continuous journey because I keep growing and changing mm. and finding different bits and outgrowing different bits and the world changes and it's a journey. It's not, okay, now I know who I am. <laughs> Everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll just yeah. go to bed. I'll just watch TV and eat some ice cream. Right, yeah. It doesn't work that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But generally, and I do find this, um, I, I am so privileged that I am surrounded by men who have everything. Because otherwise, I would probably chase the things that I think I should chase in order Interesting. to... Interesting. That's the way it is. Yeah. But I know so many people... And then they come to me and say, I don't know who I am. I have no purpose. I have no passion. I have no sense of who I am mm. or why I'm here. I have no personal power. I have no friends. If I don't know who I am, how does anyone else know who I am? Or I'm surrounded by people that want my fame or my fortune or my something, but they don't want me. Yeah. And it's, it's tragic. And it, not just for tragic, them. Yeah. It's tragic for their kids. Mm. What are they showing their kids? That's what's passed on. And I believe that people will turn into the good, the bad and the ugly of their parents. Mm. Did you listen to what your parents said or did you just turn into who they were? Um, I've, I've, re I've always had a very strong sense of self and who I am and um, where I'm going. Um, I'm very fortunate to have um, parents that feel the same way. Yeah. Um, and very encouraging and, and 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 all of that but at the end of the day you know you have to be your your own person you know yeah. so i very much but did they ever say don't do as i do do as i say of course there you of go of course and yeah. did you do you remember what they said and did you do any of it probably not no, <laughs> <laughs> no you, you you know That's you end up making your own mistakes and stuff right exactly mm. exactly you do but you know for me it's like get a good i need to have a good relationship with my spirit. Yeah. Because my spirit needs to be free. I need to come from, from my heart. Mm. Because otherwise I'm disconnected. Definitely. And it's empty. It's pointless. And I know that um, there are such easy tools and tricks to find, to listen to my spirit. It's like that follow the feeling back. That feeling goes back to where the depressed pause button was yeah and my depressed pause button was still grieving the loss of my cousins mm -hmm. and i needed to take care of the man in me needed to take care of that little boy how did you do that um in a breath rather than that boy being sent to any man or any woman or anyone saying, like, someone take care of my boy. Right. How many people, when they get into a relationship, it gets to the stage where it's close and it's like, take care of my little child. Mm. Don't, be <laughs> don't betray me. You know, you know, burp me virtually. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, then, then it kind of becomes like, is that my mother and am I the little boy? And there's nothing wrong with it. I'm okay sometimes for my wife to be my mother and for me to be the boy, for me to be the father and her to be the girl, yeah. for us both to be children, yeah. for us both to be adults, as long as we can do them all. But if we're stuck with one, 
then it might be a bit, then it's enmeshed, then exactly, it's dysfunctional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where it's stuck. But I needed to quite simply learn that if that boy is in pain and he's in trauma, then I'm not going to let the protector in me to shut the life down. Right. And I'm not going to offer that boy for other people to save and take care of. That boy needs an adult mm. who can basically say, don't worry, I'm here. Right. So and it's just the, acknowledging it. Yeah. And then the boy is free. Then you've freed that spirit. It's no longer, you know, when people talk about the inner child, they talk about the traumatic child that needs healing. Yeah. Before the trauma is that free spirit. And when that spirit is free, that spirit can inform the man through intuition, Mm. through the voice of God or nature or love. It's like, go here, follow this, do that. And you know this because you're creative. Mm. That spirit needs to be free. It needs to express. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's like being like a caged rabbit or something. Do you know what I mean? Not that I've ever had a rabbit. Maybe they're quite (laughs) happy in there, but that's a different story. But do you know what I mean? It's limited. And for me, it's like follow the feeling straight back to the depressed pause button. It's on hold. It's not dead, it's not broken, it's on pause and it's depressed. So be with it, undepress it and set that spirit free. I love that. Simple. And it's done with a breath. But with a breath can come feeling. Mm -mm. So if emotion needs to pass, which is laughing or crying or talking or moving, but that needs to pass and what we do well obviously with with the private clients but even with the men's groups it's just naming something and sitting with it we don't give it each other advice or try and fix each other or save each other or upstep what you had a paper cut well i had my (laughs) leg broken do you know what i mean it's not like that it's more like sitting with what happened and then us all saying okay my relationship to that or when i had that situation this is how I failed, this is how I succeeded, this is my relationship to it. So everyone gets to learn from everyone else's experience Mm. and we sit with what is. It's not about, you know, boys need to fix and avoid things and keep things okay. Mm. Brush it under the carpet. Not like that. Men can sit with things and, you know, they say, I don't remember where this is from, that a man can see his mother in pain and sit with her without having to save her from her feelings. So, I'm not going to pretend that the batteries didn't run out while I was recording. <laughs> <laughs> now I need to remember where I was and what I was so saying. So you were saying, you were saying uh, uh, a man is able to sit with his mother in pain yeah. without having to feel the need to, to fix it. Yeah, where a boy can't bear his mother in pain. <sighs> Because the boy can't deal with his own pain, his own abandonment, Mm. his own, I need you to be okay, so I know I'm okay. And to bring this, for example, into a couple relationship, Mm -hmm. probably the most valuable thing I have said to men with relationship issues is when she's, or, or, you know, I'm being male, female, when your partner is debriefing the day and talking about how difficult it was and this happened and that happened and whatever, the one question to ask is, 
do you want me to fix this or do you want me to just listen? Yes. And generally, she'll say, no, 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 don't fix anything. Mm. I'm just telling you, you just listen. And inside, the bloke goes, oh, but it hurts so much. Mm. (laughs) I don't want you to be in pain. What that really means is when you're in pain and I'm not allowed to fix it, then I have to be with my pain. And I have to sit with my pain. And I have to feel my feelings. Wow. We're so used to just brushing these things under the carpet, which is why men are so solution-oriented, right? Boys. Boys. I would say. (laughs) Boys, yeah. Very, very much. Meanwhile, a man can hold a space for everything to pass. Mm. For the goodness to pass, for the badness to pass, for the the fear to pass. You know, if I, I bet that if you look back at the men in your life, Probably the ones that helped you feel the safest were the rocks that Mm. weren't getting involved in the dramas, weren't trying to fix everything, but they were stable, consistent, sturdy rocks. Yeah. That, for me, is a man holding a space to allow life to happen. Mm. So powerful, man. What what is really good for people to hear is that it's not about avoiding those moments when you're feeling the pain, like sit in it, feel it. And I do say this to people as well. There's so much value there. You know, we do go through things for a reason, I believe. And, you know, you're in situations because of either something, you know, you've done unconsciously Mm. or just things that have happened subconsciously. And there's something there for you to realise and learn from. Yeah. But you're not going to learn from it if you brush it under the carpet or just ignore it and move on to the next situation because it's only going to come up again. Yeah. And what you're saying is just to, to, to be with the pain. I don't blame people who won't or mm. can't mm. because maybe they don't know what it means. True. Maybe it's not being demonstrated or maybe they're scared that, you know, like I was, that they'd fall apart or become a basket case or mm. something. Yeah. And that's why I feel... For those that haven't got the relationships in their lives of the men that they want to turn into or the ones that get them or the ones that will allow them to change rather than we're fine as we are, what are you talking about? Mm. Then go to a group or start a group because then everyone knows what's going on. You're on the path to get to know yourself together and things are allowed to change. So whatever's going on, debrief it. With all my closed groups, we have WhatsApp groups. Close groups meet once a month. Mm-hmm. And between that time, people can keep in touch. If they want to say something funny or celebrate something or something scary or something's going on, it's there. It's bringing back traditional community where these mm-hmm. days, and especially with boys, it's all about separation, competition. I'm not going to point the finger at the Industrial Revolution because I don't know much right. about much. but you know it's all about separating Mm. where for me this is community and it's trust and true brotherhood is on the same side true brotherhood is that intimate and caring and loving that it's unconditional and if it's the best for you then it's the best for me and we all grow and we all benefit from it it's not about that hierarchical competition Mm. so if people don't know how then be responsible for your environment and find out how and be around people that you want to be like. And don't be scared when the people you don't want to be like don't like you. That is a compliment. Mm. Wow. 
but it is very much it's like I am in pain because I'm scared that my wife thinks this because I'm not doing that or I don't know how to be with my feelings and I'm I've I'm only used to surviving them and avoiding any negative emotions so I will eat or drink or sex or take drugs or overdo the gym or become a workaholic or whatever because that's the way I survive life mm. and some of those are cool and some of them society does not see as cool but for me the only way is you know so many people are kind of in limbo yeah hovering above the feelings low level depression and then in a bit and it's like oh my god let's take something and let's avoid this mm. well let's get high and then it's a bit depressed and then it's here again right meanwhile I think it's important to have the safety of the company that will hold you, even just being there. It's got nothing to do with touching. It could be emotional, it could be words, but will hold you as you go into the feelings mm. and through the feelings and out the other side. Yeah. Because they can't be thought into health. Yes. They have to be felt through. And in feeling them through... That's where you pick up your power tokens. Mm. <laughs> that is so powerful. So it's not. It's not even about fixing. It's not. It's not about fixing. It's just There's about nothing broken. <laughs> it's not. That is so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the key, though. There isn't anything broken. Broken. The first just... step, surely, is acceptance. Acceptance, acceptance yeah. of what is. Mm. And the next step has got to be a response, not a reaction, not a denial. It's a response. If this is what is, then what am I going to do with this? Mm. Maybe I need to talk about it. Maybe I need to sit with it. Maybe I need to, I don't know, go for a run and let myself get grounded with this. But the first step's got to be acceptance. Mm. And then comes an appropriate response. And if it's an inappropriate response, then that's fine. But at least it's taking part. And as soon as you notice it's inappropriate... Adjust. Right. Shall I give you a quick little trick to yes, adjust? Yes, please. Yeah. So the way that I broke the spell with my compulsive thinking and my fear of the future and all of that kind of stuff is first I had to admit that I'd never actually fixed anything by thinking. Mm. And most of what I was thinking about were things that were out of my control and generally things that were from my fantasies and weren't going on in life anyway. Yes. So... If I was obsessing and avoiding life by being in my head and not available to life, and I was like flooding my body with adrenaline, like toxic stuff, then I need to change that and I need to break the spell. And I couldn't do it. It's like, okay, I'll stop thinking about this as soon as I've just figured this bit out. <laughs> or let me at least get to the end of the line. And once I'm at the end of the line, the line just goes on and on and on. And I can't stop because it's got me. That's an enmeshed relationship, me with my head. So I just had to admit that I hadn't solved anything. Mm. But what I need to be is present and connected with what is and able to respond and that's responsibility, the, the ability to respond. Yeah. So I thought, right, I need, to, I need to get a trick. You know, I keep finding, making up little games to set myself free. So it's like, okay, when I'm in my head, I'm not breathing, and I'm in panic. Mm. So I need to get out of my head and into my body and not panic anymore. So as soon as I caught myself thinking and lost in space 
and the spaces between my ears. How yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. As soon as I'm lost in space, I need to catch myself, stop the thinking, and in that split second, take a deep breath in. And as I breathe in, think, thank you for reminding me who I used to be. Right. Used to be puts it in the past. Thank you for reminding me if it wasn't for my panic thinking, I might not have survived this far. So surely I don't demonize it. I'm right. grateful for it. So deep breath in. Thank you for reminding me who I used to be. Once that's in the past with used to be, that means the present is mine. Yeah. There's space for me here. So when I breathe out, I will take part with what's in front of me. I will engage with whatever needs engaging. And in a nutshell, that goes from am I to I am. Mm. That goes from a sense of self and giving power out into I am here and now. Yeah. And I am able to respond. And I just had to practice and practice and practice until I barely remember that addiction anymore. Amazing. And... The same goes for everyone. It's just practice until it's normal. And, you know, the tragedy about the people I work with is at the end, I might ask them for a testimonial. Mm. They don't remember. <laughs> <you don't. laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they just talk shit. Right. They say polite niceties. And I'm thinking, yeah, but they don't even remember. It's gone. That's They've incredible. outgrown it. That's They've just, outgrown it. Yeah, they can't like, even associate with it. Anymore. I don't remember falling off a bike. I don't remember yeah. those bits. I ride a bike now. It's the same with them. They don't remember who they point. used yeah. to be. It's like, it's, it's, they've moved it just on. just disappears. Yeah. So just to go back, it's thank you. So taking that thought and saying thank you for reminding me who Stop I used to be. Stop the thought. And take a deep breath in. The deep breath in is out of the head and out of panic. Into your body. Thank you for reminding me who I used to be. And it passes and I'm present. And I take part looking you in the eye, holding this mic about that far away from my mouth. <laughs> and we're, like, how much have we covered just by being connected like this? Do you know what I mean? Incredible. But if you or I were trying to put on a good show, mm. then we'd be disconnected from the conversation, probably not even listening to each other. Yes. Trying to show off in front of these poor, sad people listening to our crap, <laughs> thinking surely something's good going to come up. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's connection. That's mm. the power of connection and trust and knowing the life that I want to grow and attracting the people that I can enjoy growing it with. And for me, it's giving more energy to what I want to grow rather than giving energy to what I want to go. Mm. And how many people keep feeding what they want to go and they wonder why it's still here. Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a coping mechanism. Exactly. You know, I've, I've been with it this long. This is me. It's just me. This yeah. is how I deal with it. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I've done it myself too. It's funny because when you were saying about um, sitting with pain, just something that was coming up for me that you, you just opened up a couple of blind spots for me. Go on. And so just to dial back, I was always into football and went to many different schools and thinking about it, one of my first memories with uh, going to uh, primary school and kind of being one of the only black kids there. Um, there was a lot of like othering going on, like right. you're not part of us kind of thing. Yeah. Joining the football team, but I was always picked last. Oh. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just remembering this now. And going into secondary school, I I compartmentalized those things and, and felt that I don't want to, I don't want to do the hard work 
in order to be good at it. I love football, yeah. but I'm just going to play for fun. I'm just playing for fun. I'm just playing yeah. for fun. And obviously at that age, people start being serious. And as we got a bit older, I consciously remember saying, All right, I'm not interested in football whatsoever now. Like mm. I'm, I'm not going to, big Arsenal fan, I'm not going to watch any games. I'm not going to, I'm not going to associate with that. Yeah. For two reasons, because of that pain, but also because of the, I suppose, the enmeshment. Because a lot of girls and women didn't like guys that were you know it was like a shame like uh oh watching football again or they talk all you talk about is football blah 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 yeah yeah and me being the wanted to um present myself as kind of the the perfect guy i suppose yeah Yeah, the guy that's supposed to be you know yeah you're not like the rest of them exactly you're special you're different Exactly that. <laughs> and you wear it as a badge of honour, you know, yeah. initially. Because, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm doing everything right. Yeah. Um, until you then realise, one, it's not true to yourself. And then two, you're kind of disconnecting from the, the men in your life that you, that you love because you're kind of pandering to yeah. something that you're not. Um, so I consciously realised that and I made an effort to get back into football. Now, everyone had stayed in football. So... I'd lost all kind of natural ability whatsoever and threw so myself into start from scratch, start from scratch wow. and throw myself into the um, potential shame because, you know, it's competitive yeah. and, you know, uh, you don't want to do, people don't want to let you into their team going back to the whole being picked last kind of thing and you're rubbish, yeah. you know, you want to win. It's a competitive sport. Yeah. And I had to sit with that. I remember actually consciously going through it and realizing what comes up for me on the pitch, because I believe how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. And on the pitch, I was learning so much, like sitting in that pain. So when I would get coached by teammates, you know, you're not letting yourself be heard. Like Mm. you're better than that. Mm. Um, And I'm like, well, yeah, I am. And uh, you just realize all of the kind of the auto responses that I realise all the auto responses that I have by being on the on the pitch. Yeah. You know, and one thing that came up so I've been playing for the last few years and I've got a lot better. Good on you. Um I bet everyone's uh, relieved. <laughs> they are, they are. They love me. <laughs> and also what a buzz to be back where people have got your back and they're saying, No, you're better. Yeah, exactly. Be exactly. you, be you properly. Be you properly. Yeah, mm. stop hiding away. Because yeah. then I realised I started to, I was doing that in different situations, in board meetings or yeah. whatever it might be. You know, yeah. not saying what I think when I think it. You know, because yeah. you're hiding away and you know you're just trying to play it safe. Yeah. So how how I was playing on the field is how I was playing in life. Yeah. And something that came up for me recently, and this is what the blind spot that you've kind of helped reveal is. Um, I think another reason for me not being in those um, intense situa- situations, because sports is competitive and it's, you know, it's one of the only male-only spaces that, that I'm in or yeah. that people go in or yeah. that men go in, sorry, like, so sports or a barbershop or things like that. Yeah. Um, and so what come up for me is when I was, when I'm deemed to have done something wrong, so being That's not allowed for mummies, boys. You're not reading the rule book, eh? <laughs> Something wrong in, in whose eyes? In, in the other blokes? Yes. Wow. And that came up for him. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't do anything wrong. 
I didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, and then I've realized on the pitch, I'm internalizing and I'm withdrawing. So I'm withdrawing as a player. I'm not doing what I would normally do because I don't want to do anything wrong. Yeah. And so better to be small and safe, yes, than big and be met at your edge, yes. And it's at your edge that you grow, yeah. That's one of the ground rules with the men's groups, yeah. Is yeah, we have all the ground rules, but the last ground rule is play bigger than the rules, mm. so you can get the feedback and you can grow at your edge because we're on the same side. It's not about be true to the pack and sell out on yourself, yeah. It's be true to yourself because unless you accept yourself and are true to you, then we can't accept you. Mm. You accept yourself first, then we can accept you rather than you be our bitch and then you're acceptable. Mm. That, again, is the difference between boys and men for me. And what you've demonstrated is so spot on because when I was listening to your story, I could feel like in the boardroom or on the pitch that shrinking that drain of energy. Mm. And you know in those moments when you're coming alive and when you're killing yourself. Yes. And it's as simple as that. No one else comes into this. Mm. No one comes into this. Who can't relate to that? Whether it's on the pitch or with their friends or, you know, it's like people know when they're selling out and when they're not yes. selling out. Yeah. And yeah. it's tragic when they do. And again, I have to respect it. Wherever people are, that's where they are. Mm. And if they choose to shift, then respect that too. If they choose not to shift, that's their right. Right. Because in essence, in a way, I would say what I'm asking people to do, whether they come to groups or they work with me privately, or even if they're just my friends or they want to hang out, is like, we've got to die <laughs> because otherwise we're playing too small. Right. We've got to come alive at our edge. We need to be true to ourselves. We need to not sell out. I want to explore with you. And the way the whole men's groups thing started, I think, like I told you before, is like, I need to be met at depth. I need to tell you what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and how weird I am and how mad I am and how frustrated I am and how angry I am and how I love so much and I've got nowhere to put it that it's beginning to really hurt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's real. And the reason I need to tell you these things is I want to know how you've done it. And mm. I want to know how to be me better. I don't want to be you because I can't be you better than you, but I can be me better than me by right. growing me. Yeah. And I need to learn from other people's experiences rather than, like you said earlier, I'll just hide away and I'll make my money and I'll buy my house and I'll get like the flashiest car bigger than the next door neighbor. Yeah. Twat. <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah <laughs> time is now mm. if it's time for people now but you know some people need to take it slowly some people need to brew some people need to wait until they are in enough pain yeah. that they're forced to do it some people need to really outgrow their lives and think right I've got everything I've done everything mm. and there's nothing here for me anymore takes courage so i am asking people to like um die out of control yeah and come alive so we can like explore lives with twinkle in our eyes mm. that's where it's at definitely i definitely. mean yeah days off are allowed 
Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all do, do, do. Of course. But, you know, but it's that attitude. Yeah, Because yeah. otherwise... That's where it's at. I'm just, like, bored and boring. Mm. No, for out. sure. For sure. I mean, what a tragedy. I mean, and, and this happens to people, but what if you found that out when it's, you know, it's too late or you've only got a little time left and it's like oh shit I could have been living life on this level because I've just realised that this is this is where it was at like taking off all these masks and actually just being me that's where it was at and I've I've worked with some men in their 80s Mm. and it's like thank god you have got here this lifetime because look around at your friends Mm. your streets ahead of them and what I have it's absolute luxury compared to my grandparents, oh, my yeah. great-grandparents, oh, yeah. and so it goes on. And it's like, if it's time, it's time. Mm. And if I think, oh, I wish and why not and whatever, there is only one thing to do to adjust. Thank you for reminding me who I used to be. Now I engage and get funky. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Why not? Because otherwise it's a downward spiral. You know, I am responsible for my body, for my feelings, for my perspective. Mm. I have the power to choose who and how and what. So why would I want to dumb down? I'm safe. That's it. Job done. That's incredible, man. That's (laughs) incredible. So you you talked about... um training others to or inspiring others to create these men groups wherever they are Um, if someone wanted to do that what resources would you advise them to to look at so at the moment um, at the moment probably forever until someone pulls the plug on the internet (laughs) (laughs) and I've been praying for that day I hate computers anyway (laughs) men's men's groups dot co dot uk and you can download the ground rules the check-in round and everything you need there are videos that talk about what's behind the the check-in round and explaining what's you know so it's all there i think they call it a starter pack or something right so i get emails from all over the world people saying i use it like from africa from south america from portugal from you know and it's just oh my you cannot imagine the feeling and i remember it's it's similar to once i was in fiji on a remote island and there was some guy who was obviously a tourist wearing one of the james brown t-shirts that i designed and it's like oh my god i designed that years ago and you're wearing it it's obviously your favorite t-shirt yeah and it's the same as getting these emails of people saying i'm using it and there's a guy in sweden said you probably don't know this, but I know of two groups that have translated it and they use it in Sweden. And it's like, God, that's amazing. That is so amazing. That and it's amazing. so simple. Mm. It does itself. And it shows you how to listen. So you can have it for free and pass it on. Mm. And then I, at the moment, run um, live day uh, workshops. Um, I've got one, I think it's next month. I don't know, every now and again I run them. And with that, it's behind the scenes of the details of what to watch out for, how to respond, how to hold people open, how not to upstage them, how to communicate with men in a male language Mm. so a man can respond. And it's just far too common that I hear men say, well, I went to therapy and it was all in the head and there was no space for me and I needed to put on a good show to be told I'm okay and I'm allowed to leave. Yes. And there are a lot of men that say therapy saved my life, so I'm not Mm. bitching about therapy. Mm, mm. But 
there are so many people who do not know how to communicate with men in a language that a man it's like this is my language i don't need to kind of extend my mind to your language so i can communicate with you about me yeah. while leaving myself out of it so how to communicate with a man to ask the right questions in the right way so everyone gets to grow from it so many people can just use it from the free download but you know i get a lot of coaches and therapists yeah. and, and also just people that want to learn the tools to take them you know so i'm a uh, a Welsh going Catholic, whatever it is, Londoner. But I'm not Jewish, I'm not Muslim, I'm not gay, I'm not so many other things. Right. And I want people from these communities mm. to come in, pick up the tools and take it into their own communities better than I could. Of course. And it's like, this is community. Take the tools and use it in your community. Mm. So it's all there for free, otherwise, you know come to a workshop or whatever yeah, yeah. and we'll I'll, we'll do an online training and a video and all that kind of stuff what do you call those things those video series online yeah, look, training of course yeah training videos <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah someone point the camera I'll just you know do sure. my spiel but I've done what a dozen or maybe 20 or something I don't know and we've recorded them all so it's not apart from the personal stuff that people say. Right. So it's not just the basic ins and outs. Right. But you know there so are when some this when this situation comes up, this is exactly. how you can deal with it. Including, yeah. um, there are a lot of men that I've trained who run their own men's group. So it's including the things that they've come up against. Right. What happens if someone is clearly mad or drunk or mm. going to be violent, or this happens or that happens, or I'm scared that this is going to happen or whatever it is. So we deal with all the these questions i've got a lot of really good icky stuff mm. that's really valuable that I, I want you know at some that stage, is the valuable stuff yeah we're, we're launching a charity later this year amazing and we're going to put all of this out because i just want to pass it on definitely that's all and i can't afford for my private work to subsidize this so i'm at the moment just separating my business and my private client work with the men's groups yeah because it's not about me it's about the groups mm. it's about the tools yeah and it's not like you have to do it this way mm. it's this is the best i've got now go and do it your way in your language right and that's, yeah. that's and in what your community to do Exactly. That's am it's just amazing to hear that you know so many different communities and so many different oh places God, in the world. So good. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it's like, I've worked it out. <laughs> but also because you know, just as men um, across the world, we're all experiencing the same thing. Whether it's yeah. you know, in different countries or different um, uh, levels of wealth or different political situations. Yeah. Uh, when you boil it down, we're, we're going through the same kind of things. And even for yeah. the, um, who would you do like the group leaders, I, I suppose if, if they're coming up with, uh, uh, sort of some sort of violent confrontation or something, what's coming up for that group exactly. leader? What parts of them yeah. in their mind have they kind of compartmentalized that have just coming up in that moment? that exactly. they have to deal with. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. And this is super a very, powerful. very, very fine line because one of my biggest values is that we're equal, non-hierarchical. Mm. So it's not that I'm the leader or there will be a leader and a person who's better than everyone else, but it's how to walk the fine line of being one of the men, empowering the other men so we're all equal. Yeah. Meanwhile... My staff, to an extent, is at the door, so I'm here to listen and serve the men 
while taking part. So it is a fine line. Definitely. And I'm just not into this, you know, being the smart ass thing. I did that when I was a mummy's boy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've done the fan club and all of that mm. and it's empty. It's really empty. Mm. I need connection. Yeah. I need to be one off. So it is that being able to be there and demonstrate and take part, but not lead it. Yeah. Not show how, not fix or upstage or, or be be the smart one. It's mm. like, in a way, that could be seen as theft. Yeah, yeah. And it can rub people up the wrong way, which will then bring out different parts in them. Yeah. And then ultimately, it's not bringing people cl- closer. It's bringing people further apart, right? Exactly. Then we're in the playground. Busy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we're trying to get away from that. <laughs> <laughs> or we're trying to be safe enough if the man takes care of the boy then there are free spirits in the playground. And that is the good playground. Mm. But if there is a damaged child that's not being taken care of, then there's all sorts of world leaders at play. Yeah. Oh my God, did that slip out? But, you know, the boys make a lot of noise and they bully mm. and look at the mess we're in. And I wonder how extreme it needs to get before nature demands balance. This, this is exactly my next question. <laughs> so I put out a series of tweets the other day. Um, I looked into the stats and just over half of the world's population is men. But when when we look at a lot of the, well, most of the things that are going wrong in the world, it's committed by men. Go on. Men? Boys. I would say so. Mm. And a lot of boys, you could say... Um, need to compensate for their lacks by making a noise and having power over the others to be good enough. Yeah. And some of the messier clients that I've attracted have realized the damage they've done by compensating with their power. Mm. So, you know, no one likes a bully. No. But no one will cross the bully and it just goes on and on up the ranks. And the bully is generally lonely and depressed. So I would say it's boys making a noise. Mm. People who find themselves in positions of privilege or power who may or may not want to be there. Mm. And a lot of the blokes that I work with have found themselves there. They might have been born into aristocracy or whatever it is. And it's like, I don't want to do it that way. Or Mm. I don't believe, or, you know, they might inherit the family business. And it's like, that's the old-fashioned way of running a business. I need to run it this way. Yeah, That's a lot more modern, feminine, and feminine as in responding and listening, rather than just bullying and breaking. But the good thing about computers, and there are one or two things, is there's instant feedback. And this feedback can be responded to. So it's it's very intimate in that way. If this is what's going on, then I'll try this. And then that's what's going on, and I'll try this. Mm. And that's the modern way of sharing power and working with rather than, and, and empowering others rather than I am the power, I say what goes, and you're all behind me. And because I'm powerful and you're scared of me... Yeah then I I get my way. Mm. So, yeah, I would agree that a lot of it is what I would call unruly masculine energy. Mm. That's yeah. not mature masculine energy. That's a very different kettle of fish. No. And, it and would how, be, how, how do we kind of curve that? How do we heal that? 
It would be very easy to point the finger at the the men or yeah. the boys. Yeah. Who brought these people up? Mm. What, which point. environments have they been brought up mm. in? And my wife first brought this to my attention, and she's Italian, and it's very much, um, you know, the mother runs the house, mm. the father needs to be seen to be running the house, right. and the son is the golden boy. Mm. And in a way, my wife said, well, actually, who is holding up the patriarchy that they complain about? Well, maybe in a lot of ways, it's the women. Maybe in a lot of ways, it's the men as well. But rather than pointing the finger, I think take responsibility for the ways that we conduct ourselves and the way that I am willing to take part in the world. Yeah. And I have created a very privileged bubble that I live in. And I love my bubble. And I love the way it seems to be growing and growing. And I would love to think that one day it'll pop and make a mess on everyone. And everyone just loves everyone. Right. But, you know, I need to live the, I need to live the world I want to live in into being. It's mm. up to me to live it into being. And if, live it into being. Yeah. yeah. And if I go, well, I'm helpless because how am I going to um, change governments and organized religions and corporations and everything else? Well, I've got the power to do it in my life. Yeah. And in my community and my environment and to spread it that way. Exactly. So that's the power that I have. Mm. And who knows who knows who mm. or who's going to see in positions of power. And I feel very, very lucky that somehow I've attracted people with influence. I mean, you could say that that includes you holding these mics and putting it out into the world. Yeah. That's not going right. This is how to dominate, and we're going to make this much money. For and sure, yeah. This is like this is spreading it, mm. and this is spreading the tools, and it's like this is the world I want to live in. Mm. Um, come play. Absolutely, that's the way. That is the way. <laughs> that is beautiful, man. Absolutely, and I'm I'm asking that of my guests more and more because I do want to hear, you know, how we're all doing this and how we intend to, you know, create that ripple effect. You know, because yeah. we all have that power to, you know create that so it can eventually become a tsunami and it just tips the balance like you said the the, the world will seek balance yeah. at some point yeah. a friend of mine um a long 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 i think in the 70s wrote a book called love is letting go of fear mm. and for me it is really and this is from a, a book called the course in miracles that a lot of people you know a lot of the great so-called spiritual or awareness teachers are students or have been part of A Course in Miracles. Um, and I just thought, okay, so how do I break the spell on this fear, on my fantasies and on my paranoia? Mm. And I've learned a, a line, another one of my, my crazy little games of, you know, I've just had the craziest fantasy that I'm going on and on and on and you don't know how to stop me talking and we're running out of time. And uh, and now you're withdrawing from me and I feel like I should stop talking and bring it to an end. But rather than, okay, I think this is going on, so I'm going to react to it or I'll mm -hmm. end. Or I'll, and we're not talking about what's going on. I could say to my wife, do you know, I just had the craziest fantasy that you've suddenly gone quiet right, on me. Right, right, right. And the reason you've gone quiet on me is because last night 
I made a noise that woke you up just when you were falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. And then I came sneaking into bed. Or it's because when I was washing up, I banged a plate and it really jarred you. And now you're really angry at right. me because blah, blah, blah. But rather than she thinks this, so mm. I'll do that. And mm. then I'll do that. And then she'll think that. And then I'm safe. And then I'll, then I'll pussyfoot around and see if I can get a cuddle in or if she's going to, you know, uh, give me an indication that I'm not. What is this? Yeah, it's just so much easier to say. I just had the craziest fantasy that blah blah blah, and she'll go, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah, or she'll go, "You're mad." Yeah, I was just, you know, thinking about my conversation with my mother. That's all. Right. But at least I know, and I know what is Mm. rather than back to the head. Absolutely, it brings it to the surface either way, (laughs) right? Exactly, and it's like break the spell, break the spell, get present and connected, break the spell and take. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> may as well say it yeah. a really rude line that I use in the groups that I use with a lot of people is the shit in your head is worth gold when it comes out of your mouth mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah and what's really crazy is generally when they hear it the first time it's like have I just been insulted <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of shit in your head yeah man well that's the first part acceptance right exactly exactly <laughs> wow <laughs> The shit in your head is worth a lot of gold it's when it comes out of your mouth. Yeah. yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. Get it out of your mouth ASAP. Exactly. And like, give us all a break. Otherwise, you know what it's like to carry a fart in your nose. <sighs> it might be smelly. <laughs> it might make a noise. But I'm going to be uncomfortable and like, present it's not going on. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that when you're in good company. Like, like, let it out and know what's going on. And then everyone can take part. Right. <laughs> oh my god well on that note <laughs> on that note uh, I've got I mean I've uh, we've got to do a part two because it's been really so... easy to hang out hey? oh thank you man it's been really brilliant it. fun it has been it has been <laughs> I've got to do a part two there's so much cool. more I want to go into with you um, just lastly um, what three things are you what three things would you say you're struggling with at the moment and what three things are helping with those struggles? If you are. Yeah. Um, do you know, I, the, the, a lot of people had flu and stuff like that. Earlier. Mm. And my wife wasn't around and I needed to stop coughing. I needed medicine. And I listened to the split-second feeling and thought in my head that was, I shouldn't buy cough medicine because if I'm ill or if we spend money, then I could bankrupt the family. And this is the desperately um, poverty-stricken child in me. Oh, jeez. From having a cough. Exactly. This is emotional. Mm. Remember to separate the logical and the the emotional. This was purely emotional. And when I I caught myself still stuck in that survival, I realized that this year is dedicated to me putting my self-care first. Mm. And it's very male to be in denial of any (laughs) illness, any need. I'm strong. I'm not going to let the side down. It might be something really serious, blah, blah, blah. So I have been seriously struggling with self-care because there's been a part of me that's still surviving and in panic and thinking, I can't have any needs because my parents can't cope with anything more. So 
I have really listened to that. Mm. So the first thing that I'm really turning around, and my God, am I turning around this year, is self-care. And as the, the fears and the emotions and all that nonsense comes up, I know that I need to take care of that child and get real as a man and take care of myself. Otherwise, no one's going to. And exactly. otherwise, I'm just pretty much full of shit, basically. Good on you, man. Good on you. <laughs> that is so, that's amazing. That's the first one. Yeah. Um, the second one is I keep bitching about computers. And I talked about, you know, my um, Tourette's and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The bit that I still have that I must admit I kind of quite like is dyscalculia. Uh, Interesting. And dyscalculia is about numbers. Mm-hmm. Time, weight, yep. distance, and things in order. Mm. So with computers, it's like click this, read that, do you, and it's, it's just logical. like exactly can't do it. So I recently found out about dyscalculia, really? dyslexia, dyspraxia, yeah. ADHD, and that yeah. I do have a, a bit of each. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not dyscal- My sister has dyscalculia. One of my other sisters has dyslexia, and we I've, I've, literally in the last three weeks I found out all of this. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And as we spoke about it, we all found out that we all have something like that so it's something that's going on and that we've all had to kind of deal with yeah so it's interesting you have those workarounds and you also have the biases like i.e not liking computers yeah yeah Mm. i wish i did but then on the other hand um i like trusting people right i like working with people Mm. and i guess my father's panic because of his childhood and what he's been through has been very much don't trust anyone and people aren't looking out for you. Meanwhile, I have demanded from life that I will trust and people will share. And I've been tested and pushed and tested and betrayed and pushed. And it's come through the other side where people are sharing, people yeah. are taking care. And I am just so taken care of by life. I have not sold out on this one. So with the dyscalculia, this is where I have... Um, with the help of my wife especially, consolidated the business. So all my private client notes and anything that is in no way up for public or even one other person to see is safe. Mm. And now I have a virtual assistant for my business with all my clients and stuff. And I have the charity being launched so that all of that can be passed on. And I'm basically now, rather than doing it all myself and being paranoid about people's confidentiality and what if anyone gets hold of this, it's like it's safe as as houses. Mm. It's totally saved. It's shredded. You know, I, I, I don't keep client notes. In the beginning, they give me a lot of information. Very soon it's shredded yep. because that's got nothing to do with who they are now. I'm yes. not going to limit people to who they were when they walked in mm. and then have to start from there and slowly move on. No, that's like, no, that's who you used to be. Right. So it's the delegation part mm. and working with other people and accepting the discal- discalculia yep. because, to be frank, it kind of works for me. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. This And this is what I found, like people that have, have especially adults that have it, you've kind of turned it into a power. Yeah. And you've, uh, you, you know, you, you learn how to delegate and collaborate and things like that. And it's like, well, this actually works for me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm. Number three is embarrassing. It's really weird. So I'm, I, I look relatively young. I don't know why I'm 55. Maybe I'm, I'm well fed or something. But I'm shrinking. Height-wise? Yeah. 
I'm shrinking. How, how have you determined that? Well, it's like I used to be at eye level <laughs> with my wife. Maybe she's crying. <laughs> no! <laughs> I wish it was true. I wish it was true. Mm. But no, she, she did her last growth spurt like 10 years ago or something. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know, 20 years or so. But yeah. And I remember my Uncle Benny. He, was, he used to shrink. He shrunk. Really? Wow. And, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's, I don't like it. There's not a lot I can, I'm hardly going to go around mm-hmm. the 70s platform heels. <laughs> but it's like aging. And I remember ah. I, I wrote, I wrote a, a blog for Huffington and Goodman and all about the 12 things that I love or how to manage aging and conscious aging. And it was all like there's some good stuff there. And then I started shrinking and it's like, fuck. Wow. <laughs> what can yeah. I do about that? What can you do Not about it? By lot. accepting it, right? Not a lot. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, I don't kind of care in mm. a way. Mm. Because it's not like, I've, I've from a very young age thought, well, if these are your hierarchies or your pecking order, then I'm out of here. I'm, right. not, I'm not even playing. Right. Uh, so it's not really an issue. Mm. But I was with my best friend uh, in France between Christmas and New Year. And I noticed it was so easy for him to put his arm around me. Mm. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, so you're noticing that like, physical. Yeah. And my, my wife and I, it's like, when I'm on tiptoes, we're at eye level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you know what? Gotta accept aging. Gotta accept I'm it. healthy. Yeah. And it's like, I'm like, it, life has got better and better and better and better. Mm. It's just like, it's great. And I know to take care of my teeth now, and it's more gums than teeth. Yeah. I didn't know that. Right. And I, uh, I remember thinking like, finally, I I'm, my, I must be flossing well. It's like no, I wasn't. It's right. like the gums are going. It's uh, like this aging thing mm, is crap. Mm. But <laughs> <laughs> gotta know how to manage it. Wow. And it happens. Yeah, yeah. So it's like teeth, eyes. Stuff so like it's almost that. like because you wrote articles about it, and yeah, yeah. So was what? it anecdotal, like things that people usually go through until you've actually, you know, now, now no, you're facing something? No, it was very real. Oh, it was, it very, was real. very, yeah, very yeah. real. And there were a few taboo things in that article mm. about how to relate to men, how to relate to women, how to be cheeky, the things you can get away with, right. and you know, it's a very different stage, and how to step into the power of that, yeah, and how to really enjoy that. Mm. So. In a way, it's so funny that you say that as well because, you know, you get to like mid thirties and you're like, all right, I'm a fully grown man now. Yeah, I'm gonna be like this forever. I'm a fully formed product. Exactly. That's it. I'm not changing anymore. Yeah, and obviously you do. And do you know what I fear? And whenever I mention this, sadly people laugh, and I used to laugh, but now I understand. Sometimes you see old men, and they look fine, apart from a little tuft of hair. Mm. I now understand it's because they can't see their faces when they're shaving. That's tragic. Oh. Yeah. Vision-wise? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's more to be a man than meets the eye. (sighs) It's not all testosterone (laughs) management. I'm going to call the episode that. (laughs) There's more. (laughs) There's more than... There's There's more more to being a man than meets the eye. Mm. Especially when you're losing your eyesight. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. So how embarrassing is that? Yeah. yeah. Or it should be. But, you know, 
I have learned to name things mm. and I will not blame things and I will not shame things. It doesn't work for me that way. No. And as soon as I've named it, it's not an issue. So, yeah. Yeah. Call me the incredible shrinking man. <laughs> <laughs> the incredible shrinking man ris- whisperer. <laughs> exactly. What a flute that was, eh? Hey? The man whisperer. Yeah, what a flute. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. What, what are they called? Newsweek. Newsweek, yeah. They were so. doing a cover story article on men, mental health and suicide. Every, everyone else was a doctor. Nice, educated, middle-class, rich people. And then they get me from the back street. Do you know what I mean? And then of all things that I was in the article, then they release a book that I didn't even realise they were writing. They write a whole chapter about my work and men's groups. Oh, wow. And they called it The Man Whisperer. And that's where it came from. Amazing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm allowed. <laughs> or, I'll take that, yeah. Exactly. I, I'll own that. And it's been tough because mm. now it's all the rage, men, mental health, whatever. Yes. 20 years ago, it's like we had to fight for it. It's like, is it because you're all gay? Mm. Are you all anti-women? <laughs> is it some strange cult thing? Why do you need a group? Look at all the destruction you've done and now you need a group? Oh, come on. Yes. But things have changed, thankfully. Thankfully, yeah. And it's like, um, it's not easy being a man at the moment Mm-mm. for most people. Mm. <sighs> and that is, again, that's also taboo because people will hear that and be like, well, it's, it's a lot easier for men. And it is in a lot of ways. It is. Um, but also, just going back to the Twitter thread that I was writing, I was, I was, I was making the point of, but there are men that are kind of working for the greater good, you know, yeah. that want uh, equal everything, you know, for, for women and are doing a, doing right by the family, by their, their, their partners or w- whatever. Yeah. And they're still going through stuff. Yeah. And it's those guys that we also need to pay attention to yeah. because those guys need help. Those guys are going through a lot. They won't present it. Yeah. Because they they do it alone, you know, in the car before they enter the home. Yeah. You know, they're appearing to do everything right. Yeah. Um, but internally there's a storm and that, that we need to pay attention to that. And sadly, so many men have said to me, I would rather take my life than die of embarrassment. Mm. I would rather not be here, remove myself from a situation I can't fix. Mm. And the ones in the most danger, in the most pain and the most trouble that I have worked with in my life are the ones right at the top who have everything and they're pointless and they're not allowed pain because they've got everything that everyone wants. They're not allowed problems. And the ones right at the bottom who have a purpose and it's survival and they have a community and they've got everything apart from the ability to give their families a good chance in life Mm. because they lack the resources. So it's like the pointless and the helpless. Mm. Yeah. And those are the two extremes. (sighs) They could just meet in the middle. Take your resources. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it gives you purpose. Sharing. Seriously, though. Yeah. 
that that could work. But and there's that is, more and more of that, that, that is, going on in my world. Mm. There is more and more and more of that. That's going really on. good to hear. And also, there are so many men who want to be the good guys that you just expressed. Yeah. But they don't know how. How yeah. they don't know where to start. Mm. They don't know what the first step is. Yeah. And it might cost them their communities. That might be toxic. Yeah. But rather have a toxic community than be alone for a lot of men. Mm. So yeah, the first step is generally the most courageous. Absolutely. Yeah. Even coming in men's groups, it's like you're asking a scared boy to be the new boy in class while everyone else has their best friend and you're going to be humiliated. Mm. Emotionally, that's what's going on. Yeah. But as soon as they're there, it's like, oh my God, I'm not alone. And we're allowed to talk about these things. Mm. And I've got some tools that I can now walk my path with. Even if it's just I had one guy. I, I'm talking for ages, eh? It's fine. I'll end with this one because I know that you are probably out of time. It's all good. I had one guy. He came to... So one of the ground rules is that you're allowed to say pass at any stage. Okay. And this, so there's no pressure. Yeah. Absolutely no pressure. This one guy, he came to men's groups for a year. And all he said was pass. Wow. And a lot of people were like, who is this guy? Mm. Why is he not... Sh- I'm t- you know, all of these things. Mm. And I just thought, full marks to you, being true to yourself for whatever reason, and you take your space and you keep coming back and you've got the courage to say pass, knowing that you're getting a lot of judgments. Wow. And then he joined a closed group. And in that closed group, when he started unpacking who he is and what had been going on, it's like, no wonder. Right. And considering all of this, you've done amazingly well to just even, to, show, to even up. show up. Exactly. Yeah. So he unpacked it. He made sense of it. He healed whatever he needed to heal. And he just disappeared. He moved on. Wow. And it's like, it's not a cult. You're not supposed to join and stay and give us your money and volunteer for mm. free. Or you pick up your tools and you stay with the community or you leave your community, the community, or you do whatever you want. It's like, this is just like, this is your life. Share what you want to share. Take what you need and spread it. And pass it on. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Wow. This has been amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad we did this. I was so excited same, coming into same. this and I'm even more excited now. Um, for people to find out more information, uh, it's themanwhisperer.co.uk. The Perfect. Yeah. And you are the Man Whisperer on Instagram? I don't know. We'll put up the links. <laughs> we'll put up the links in no the description. Idea. But, you know, on the websites, they're probably link- links. Of course, yeah, everything will be like, there, yeah. yeah. I don't know what I'm called. <laughs> <laughs> Oi. Oi. <laughs> Everything will be in the description. But you know, how pathetic is that? Everyone knows what their handles are and they say, you know, follow me and join me and like me. Mm. I don't care what you do, just go off and live a good life. That's the message. <laughs> that is the message. Kenny, thank you so much. I really, really Absolutely. appreciate this. It's been, I feel light. <laughs> and you've opened up so much for me just within this conversation. So thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. I can't believe I've told you about shrinking. Well done. Thank well you. done. Well done. <laughs> Thank you so much. Cool. cool. See you next time. Cheers. Remember to rate this podcast and you can do that now with this really easy link. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash Ryan Nile show. I'd appreciate five stars on whatever app you listen to. It really helps people find the show. We're actively trying to grow this community. We're growing every week, which is amazing. Remember, you can watch the full show on YouTube. 
youtube.com slash ryannile. Drop a comment on there. Follow me on Instagram at ryan.nile. Connect with Kenny on at the man whisperer and at kennydcruise.com. That's K-E-N-N-Y-D-C-R-U-Z.com.